Attention, look around. We're in a battle. This is a fight and I'm watching men drop like flies out here when we have weapons of warfare that aren't being utilized. Your faith is your shield, but you've been beaten, bruised, and broken on the journey. May I remind you that you were born to be a warrior. Unlike the belt-fed automatic weapon that may run out of ammo, the Bible is your endless supply of full mags to be used against the enemy. I'm Steve Petrosky, fellow brother, inviting you to take your place on the front line, lock shields, and take the kingdom of God by force. Suit up in the full armor of God so we can get some demon's blood on our swords. Let's move out. All right, War Pigs, we are back. I'm going to do a quick recap of what we've been talking about so far. So, first of all, reminding everyone what's a War Pig. A War Pig is someone who's totally comfortable in combat, someone who almost seems like they want to be there, they like, almost like they live for it. Um, but at the same time, they'd probably rather not be there. It's the first time this week I heard this saying, you'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. All right. The first time I heard that was this week. It's weird. Uh, but that's what we're talking about when I say war pigs. So it's not meant to be derogatory. It's meant to be Christians who have no problem getting into a fight if it's for the message that Jesus brought. Rather not be, but if we have to, we'll go there. No problem. All right, so if you're listening to this, maybe that's you. I don't know. I sure would encourage you to. So to recap what we've been talking about so far, we've been kind of going over this this acronym METTC. I know all the military guys like, whatever, dude. But METTC, mission, enemy, terrain, time, civilian consideration. So it's a, it's a tool used for the military decision-making process. So at any time during a mission, you can look at those factors and it'll help you decide what the best course of action is going to be. So it's just a way to sum up a situation in, in, a, in, a, in a quick way. So we got mission and I'm trying to help you guys understand that your identity is under attack, where your identity really is. I'm not helping you, I'm trying to try to understand your identity. I'm trying to help you hear from God so he tells you what your identity is. So you figure out your identity, you realize that there's combat going on, and then hopefully through that identity and through talking with God, you understand better your mission, what what the operation is that God created you for specifically, right? So that's cool. And a lot of that, I don't know, maybe maybe you have a little bit of like, Oh, that's nice. A lot of happy, you know, flowers and birds and, and happiness, right? So today we're going to go the opposite way. So now it's time to get fired up. If if you're anything like me, I think a lot of times we struggle if we don't have an enemy, if we don't have something to fight against. So if it's just if it's just you on your own and you want to work out, right? You wake up early and you kind of make excuses. It's easy. You just kind of lay yourself down, you know, but if you have some kind of accountability, if you're on a sports team and you have other teammates, but you're building towards something, there's going to be another team you have to play, another another player opposite of you that you have to work towards getting better at beating. And then you, it's just more motivating that way. So that's what we're hopefully going to hook you guys up with today. So we're going <laughs> to... 
Today we get to really understand and see, look our enemy in the eye and tell him what time it is. Okay. So first off, I just wanted to pray again that, Lord, that you just use me as a, a funnel for the Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, that nothing I say would be glorifying for me or for anything else, just, just you, Lord. That it would shine a light on the enemy and not glorify the enemy, but just make it more apparent, easier to identify, and then help us all individually to know what to do when we identify that Lord. So I just pray that this will bless someone, speak to someone, help someone out. And if it was just one person, that's good enough, Lord. I'm just trying to be here, be obedient, and let you speak in Jesus' name. All right. So first off, before we get into talking about combat and enemies and battles or whatever, let me just preface by saying that Jesus has already won the victory. Right? So in a sense, it's like, the worst kind of already, it's not over, but it's already been won. Okay, so that's, that's a huge thing that distinguishes Christianity from, I don't want to say other religions, I don't consider Christianity a religion, but that's what distinguishes Christianity from religion. So when, if religion is do A, B, C, and D through Z, and that'll get you closer to God, or that'll win you favor with God, or that'll earn your way into whatever whatever heavenly thing in christianity it's already been done so other religions do this do this do this do this christianity says done it's already been done okay so by dying on the cross and rising again he's already conquered death hell and the grave he holds the keys to the kingdom so i'll read from matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's the very last part of, of Matthew right there. Right, so he's not, he's not missing words here, as Jesus pretty much never does. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right. He has authority over everything. So I just wanted to bring that up um, because that's great. But what does that mean for me? Well, we jump over to from at Luke 10, 17. It says the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All right, so there you have 72 disciples returning to Jesus and are ecstatic they're joyful saying whoa like, like even the demons are subject to your name subject to us in your name right so illustrating the authority jesus has that authority over everything on earth and in heaven and he's given that authority to us so we we believe in him we've given our lives to him and then all you have to do is 
take hold of that authority. And that's why we pray, and at the end of, end of our, our prayers, we say, in Jesus' name, right? So you're putting that, that stamp of authority on what you're saying, and the words that are coming out of your mouth. All right, so I wanted to point that out first so that none of this can, can glorify the enemy, right? You, so it, it, I'll talk about it in a second here, but so many things that, that when you start realizing it, um, the first thing that popped in my mind just now is this Dodge Demon, you know, the car, right? People like these like dark skulls and flames and these demonic things as if they're cool. So I don't want any any part of this to to glorify anything of the enemy. All right, but only to shine a light on it so that you'll be aware of, of the schemes and, and the, the words and terms he uses. And the whole idea is to take away its power, right? When you, when you recognize what's going on, you're taking away the power of the enemy. Cool. All right, so let's get after it. So what is this, this enemy that we're talking about here? So I'm going to start where, kind of where I started as a kid. That there, As a child, I think we all have this, like, this pan-looking um, half-man, half-goat, red creature with horns. That's, that's, our, that's our image of Satan or the devil, right? But I'm going to start where, where as a child... I kind of started thinking um, logically, just a little more, a little more questioningly about it. So I'm starting at Luke chapter four. This is the very beginning of the chapter, and uh, I'm just gonna read a little bit of this. And you'll see where this is going, but we're gonna, we're gonna kind of, we're gonna kind of Tarantino it. We're gonna start kind of towards the middle and go back to the beginning, and then meet back up in the middle, whatever. All right, but Luke chapter four, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. So this is, this is right after. Um, chronologically, Jesus was born. He got lost in the temple. He showed up and got back baptized by John John the Baptist. And you know he he was I don't know I don't put a timeline on it a few days whatever. Um, but he meets John and Andrew or I'm sorry Peter and Andrew. Um, but then he goes off in the desert. So he's full of the Holy Spirit. We we saw that with the baptism. And then he goes up in the, into the wilderness. The point is, he again, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't been ministering. He hasn't been running around, healing people. Um, all that kind of, He hasn't done any miracles yet. All right, it's just chronologically. Um, that's where we're at. So he's full of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit leads him out from Jordan uh, into the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, but being tempted by the devil. So he hasn't. He hasn't eaten anything. It says, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will also be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Okay, so first important thing to know that 
twice now Jesus answered the devil with by quoting scripture so he quotes Deuteronomy and, and all three of the temptations here right so just just another bullet point why it's important for you to know your scripture right because I I think that we'll be able to show you that Satan knows the scripture too he knows the words and he uses that his knowledge to twist those words because he, he knows what you don't know or you know he's hoping you don't know so you gotta know the scripture right all right, but this is where this is where I got confused as a child. So Satan's showing Jesus cities and stuff in a moment in a moment of time, cities and kingdoms. And he says, I'll give this all to you if you worship me. All the authority. He says, It has been delivered to me. I give it to whom I will. So he said, he's telling Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give this over to you. And even as a child, I was like, wait, what? Why, why is that, why is it even Satan's to give? Why, why is he offering that? Why does he have that and Jesus doesn't? I thought Jesus was the king of kings, right? And then growing up more, it's like, well, wait, why didn't Jesus argue with him? Why didn't he just like, dude, that's not even yours. Like you can't even offer me what you don't have. But he doesn't. He answers them with scripture. Okay? So, we're going to, now we're going to Tarantino. We're going to go back. I'm, gonna, I'm talking about Quentin Tarantino as a movie director. It's, he does, what he does with his movies. He always starts you off right in the middle of the movie or towards the end. And then he goes all the way back to the beginning and you watch the rest of the movie and you see where it meets up. And then you go a little bit further and finish the movie. So, so I'm, that's what I'm talking about. I'll start here in the middle with some questions. Now I'm going to go back to the beginning to Genesis. Hold on. I want to know who gave Satan that authority over the kingdoms, over the earth, whatever he was showing Jesus. Who gave him that power, that authority? I'm, I'm pausing for dramatic effect because I want you to, to think about it. Hmm. Was it God? Did God do it? I don't know. So, we'll go back to Genesis one twenty-eight to figure this out. So, reading reading from Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds in the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was... And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. All right, so first of all, notice the language. How many times does it say every? Every plant, every tree with seed, all the birds, all the fish. It's, it's abundant language, right? All right, now we'll focus on the, the first thing he says here. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. Like dominion is a kingdom word, domain, right? So 
you can kind of sum it up like be, do, have. Be fruitful, do multiply, and have dominion. All right, I'm taking a little, taking a little Myron Golden here. Be, do, have. Okay, and then we'll, we'll bump forward to Genesis 3. Genesis 3 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So pay attention to, uh, to the, the wording here and what, he, what he's saying there. We'll come back to that. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All right, so there it is. That's the first religion right there. It's called hedonism, and that's man becoming God or, or being their own gods or being on par with God. So if you do X, Y, Z, you'll be, you'll be God-like. All right, so that's those are those are religions, and those actually pull you away from from God. That's why they're not cool. Right, but there's our answer. So God gave Adam and Eve the throne. He built the kingdom for them. He let them name all the animals. He gave them work to do. And this is everything. Be do have, and they abdicated their spot on the throne by agreeing with the serpent. By agreeing that, oh yeah, we can we can be like God. God doesn't want us to eat this just because you no, know, He'll He knows that we'll be like Him. So they agreed with what Satan said, not what God said. So they turned away from God. So there's there's the original sin right there, plus the actual eating of the fruit. So jump forward a little bit. God knows what happened. He tells them how it's going to be. He's got to He's got to kick them out of the garden. And then verse twenty one it says. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So when they ate the fruit, they realized they were naked and they tried to hide themselves with fig leaves. So now that now that God's brought into the picture again here, he makes them garments of skins. So something else, some animal had to die to cover up their shame and their guilt in, in their nakedness. Okay, so so that kind of starts this if you're wondering about these animal sacrifices in the old testament whatever um that's kind of where it's coming from something has to die to cover up the shame and and the guilt all right so this is a great point because this is what i was talking about earlier when i was talking about jesus has already won the battle okay so by being the perfect sacrifice being totally sinless and and being the ultimate sacrifice so so you sacrifice the lamb in the old testament you or any animal you wanted it to be perfect you didn't want it to be let's say spot without spot or blemish so it had to be like a pure colored um you know it couldn't be lame or hurt or you know sickly or you wouldn't you wouldn't want to sacrifice you know the worst thing you had to god you want to please god by giving him the best you have right so that's why Jesus was the perfect sacrifice in, in, in how he lived his life. Being sinless, he was perfect. And therefore, he sacrificed himself to satisfy God's wrath and therefore take our place and take the punishment that we deserve as sinners and 
therefore allow us to be free in him. Okay, so here described, God is a king who wants to make you a king. Satan is a counterfeit king who wants to make you a slave. So why all this, why all the sacrificing and blood covering and, and everything in the first place, right? So just keep in mind that God is just. And he's also perfect, unchanging, and he cannot lie. Right? So not, not will not lie. Not doesn't like to lie, but cannot. All right. So, so imagine like a human judge. Um, it, so if as a judge, you, you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be just if you judge one person who committed murder and, and let them go free and then judge another person who was, who had committed murder and gave them life in prison. Right? So that's, I, I know that human beings do that because we're, we're unjust, but, but God is the judge. He is just, and he cannot allow sin in his presence at all, any of it, right? So that's why we need the blood of Jesus to cover our sins and wash it away. And then we'll jump over to Psalm 103.12. So you confess your sins. You repent of your sins, which means turning away. So you confess them. You ask God for forgiveness. You turn away from what you were doing that was sinful. Psalm 103.12 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So that's pretty far. So this isn't any kind of, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, of ways that people try to argue this stuff if they're, if they're just not on board with, with Christianity, I guess. But um, And then try to answer those points. But it's pretty clear. He's already done it. If you ask for forgiveness and repent of your sins, they are gone as far as east is from west. So to get back on track for the, the main purpose of this episode... Who is Satan then? Now I'm going to jump way back to, to Revelation 12. It's kind of long. I'm going to read it as fast as I can. It's got a whole bunch of symbolism in there. Don't go wrapped around the axle with, with whatever it is. The parts that you need to know are going to be very clear. All right, so here we go. Revelation 12. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and Satan. And the dragon and his, and his angels fought back. But, but he was defeated... And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb so that's jesus remember that's why we have blood and the lamb like the perfect sacrifice and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death therefore rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them but woe to you O earth and sea for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short so that's also 
that's also super important, super important verse right there. His time is short and he knows it. Continuing on. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who gave him, who gave birth to the male child. But the woman who gave, who, but the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he, and he stood on the sand of the sea. So it's just a great picture there of Satan looking like a dragon and, but utterly defeated, already a loser, a defeated foe, but furious and it's just out to bring everyone else down from the offspring of the rest of mankind, especially those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Right? So it's specifically saying in there that if you hold, keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus, he's particularly angry at you. So you almost think of it like, like you know, like movies about the mafia, how they're trying to leverage someone to do what they want. And uh, they're they're always really reluctant. They don't want to do what the mafia wants them to do, and they pull up a picture of that person's child. Like you know, it sure would be it sure wouldn't be good if something happened to little Timmy there. You know, they use their their child as leverage. So it's kind of the same thing. If if I can't be like God, he kicked me out of heaven. I got my butt whipped. Then I'm gonna go after his children. And I'm going to do my best to make their lives miserable, but also I want to pull them away from God. I want them to agree with me just like Eve did and, and turn away from God and be separated from him. And how does he do that? What's, what's the enemy's playbook? We've already talked about some of it, but by deceiving, lying, accusing with fear, anxiety, rage, all those super negative things, that's his playbook. That's what he's using to turn you away from God. So, Remember what, that's why I was kind of covering those things with, with Adam and Eve as he was, as he was tempting and he was asking, did God really say that you can't eat all the fruit in the garden? So first of all, he was attacking the validity of what was said. And then he was, he changed the wording. He's like, Hey, did God really say that? But that's not what God said at all. You remember we pointed out every tree every fruit abundance words it's all here for you but then satan took that as a hey i'm questioning it but also changing the words to say like to, that god's limiting you he's holding you back because he, he knows that you're going to be like him right and the important thing to remember with all these deceiving lying accusing fear anxiety rage that Jesus already won back the keys to the kingdom. All right, so hopefully you're following along here. That God gave the kingdom to Adam and Eve. 
they sinned, they turned away from God and abdicated their throne. And then Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice and won the keys back. So it's won. The battle's, the battle's won. The devil's time is short. So the only power that Satan has is the power that you give to him. Right, that's, his whole, that's his whole game. To get you to agree with him, to pay attention to him, to, to be very subtle and clever and kind of ease you away from God. So this is super important. So we'll jump over to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 12. That's Paul writing. He said, what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work in the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. So what Paul is describing are counterfeits. And so that's, that's a big word you'll, you'll hear a lot, counterfeit. So people who were acting like they were some of the apostles of, of the early church, acting like they wanted to spread the message of Christ. But in actuality, they were just trying to pull people, pull people away from Christ. And then Paul even describes Satan as disguising himself as an angel of light. So I'm going to cover a few things as examples. And I think that as I'm going over them, you'll think of your own things too that you're seeing. You can kind of open your eyes maybe and, um, and just be like, whoa. And you'll, but you'll see what I'm talking about. How these things are they're presented that, hey man, this is great. This is awesome. This is, this is, this is love. This is kindness. And if you're against these things, then you must be a bigot or a racist or homophobic or, or whatever, whatever other you know negative term getting thrown at you. But you'll see that if you take what's being said and bounce it off the Bible, it doesn't really add up at all. So this is a really cool point that before I start with the ex examples, I wanted to point out. So Pastor Bill Johnson is the pastor of, of Bethel Church. Uh, in California has something he said about a counterfeits where he was pointing out how the secret service who protect the president, but they also deal with counterfeit money when they're learning, their students are learning about counterfeit money. They don't study all the different kinds of counterfeits and all the different fakes and all the different ways that it can be done. What they do is they focus on real money. So, the size of it, the weight of it, the feel of it, the the ink, the tone, the watermarks, all that kind of stuff. And you just get so familiar with the true money that it doesn't matter what different kind of fake it is, you're going to recognize the fake. You're just so familiar with the truth. And it's it's the same thing that we're that we're talking about here. Like you you can inundate yourself with the word of God, the Bible, with your relationship with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit to give you discernment as a gift. And 
you just get so used to the truth and so flooded with the truth that you're going to recognize when things aren't true, when something's not on the level, when something else is going on. And it'll be very apparent. There's also, it's not exactly what Paul was talking about, but when it says their end will correspond to their deeds. There's also a way of looking at people and the Bible describes that you'll know them by their fruit. Meaning they might sound well-meaning and they might sound like they have a lot of lofty hopes and dreams and goals and they're on the right path. But when you look at the fruit, if they're not producing good fruit, meaning that all their efforts end up hurting people or ruining things, then that's how you'll know that they're not on the right path from God. They're not under, uh, they're not under God's umbrella of blessing for what they're doing. So a few quick identities, identities, examples of what I'm talking about. The first one is identity. And so examples of how Satan twists things to draw us away from God. And I call it the lie identity. So Satan wants you to not understand your authority in Jesus. Remember, we talked about that. All authority has been given to Jesus. He wants you not to understand your identity, your purpose, your mission, and to find, he wants you not to find your fulfillment in, in completing the task that God has for you and in, in growing your relationship with God. So the, I think in the military, it's kind of funny. It's not even in the military, it's everywhere. Um, but militarily speaking, there's always these debates with what's the U.S. fifth gen fighter versus the Russian fifth gen fighter or Chinese fifth gen fighter or this awesome main battle tank versus this other awesome main battle tank. And people like to nerd out about the different size of the engine, the max range, all these different components. And if you put these two things head to head, how they match up against each other. But the funny thing is that with geography, like you, you can stop those tanks from getting to the battlefield. Then that's way better than having to go to toe to toe with an evenly matched tank or aircraft. Does that make sense? And it's the same thing with Satan here. If he can get you to, to not understand your place in God's family and God's kingdom, then he doesn't have to fight you at all. He just removes you from the battlefield from even getting stepping out of the battlefield. Or if you don't even have your identity figured out. Uh, music is another one. So it just... I don't know, just the lyrics, first of all. You're if you're singing along with a song, you're speaking the lyrics and in, in a way that's that is in agreement with whatever those those lyrics are. So if they're super lewd or deprecating or whatever it is that's not godly, then you're agreeing with those things. Um it's also just like uh speaking to the, the counterfeit and the lack of creativity. Uh, there's a really cool, it's funny, it's a YouTube video. Uh, it's called Four Chord Songs. It's by Axis of Awesome. So look up Axis of Awesome, Four Chord Song, and just see how many modern pop songs are based on the same four chords. All right, and this is something that 
that I think everyone's pretty much aware of that pretty much all pop music and even there's a lot of country and just all, all the different genres of music. But there's only a few people who really kind of create this music and they, they, they kind of shop it around and see who they want to sing it or, or perform it or whatever. That's why they're, that's why they're called recording artists, not musicians, because they don't make the music. They just sing whatever it's given to them. But it's also made to be brain candy, right? So it used to be with, with record labels, they would they would have some come in, play some songs, and that the record company would have to kind of gamble on if this band was going to be something that was going to sell. And eventually they just figured out that, hey, we could just do these things that are guaranteed to sell. It's like candy. It's like your brain, brains just love it. People love it. It doesn't have to be deep or change anything it should be the same simple four chords and you put whatever weirdo you can be the craziest person ever to go stand in front of people and sing it and it's a sure thing so it's, it's going to make you money but in the end it's all complete trash um so sexuality is another one that's really under attack right now right we all get there's like infinite genders you can identify as whatever you want now i guess this gender fluidity thing, I guess you can just change back and forth something. I don't know. Um, and, and understand that, that the attacks not so much against the people, right? So I'm not, I'm not speaking out against transgender people, but when you really look into these things, there's like, there, there's ridiculous amounts of abuse, of normalization and promotion of it that that's what's really disgusting you know what i'm saying um porn is probably the worst thing on here it's uh, i don't say the worst thing ever but it's it's up there especially for men i don't know it's probably the same for women but i know especially for for young men it's i don't even you remember when your mom was like, these video games are going to turn your brains into mush. Like, I think porn actually turns your brain into a mush. So I'll have more episodes about that. We, we got to tackle that. Fellas, you, you've got to turn it off. You've got to get away from it. It's the worst thing ever for your, your mind and your spirit more so. Um, and truth. Truth is another thing that's under attack right now, right? This, it's just whatever this epistemological relativism. It's like there is no... There is no absolute truths, except the fact that there's no absolute truths. Yeah, I know. It doesn't even stand up to itself. Um, but that's, that's the other thing that, that I guess these college kids are getting this these days, that there's my truth, there's your truth, and I'm speaking my truth to power, and there's what I believe and you believe. And I don't know, it's all tied up in some some stupid, like, idea of the human race that we can we can do away with war and poverty and and crime if, we, if no one just no one thought that they were right then we would never disagree and then we'd never have any of this other stuff going on um but it's just absolute garbage you open your bible and it says jesus says i am the way the truth and the life and he says i am the truth so you can have you can think you have your truth or my truth or their truth or whatever, but Jesus is the truth. There's one truth. And that simplifies everything. 
uh, you don't have to argue with anyone. You don't have to worry about being right. So the, the truth, the truth can exist in the presence of lies, but lies cannot exist in the presence of truth. All right. So, so you'll, you'll realize that people that want to speak the loudest and not let other people talk, you can, you can imagine which, which one that they're speaking lies or truth. Okay, so we got a little bit of the why. We got a little kind of the who. Why Satan's doing what he's doing, who he is. A little bit of what he's doing. Um, and then how. We'll touch on the how real quick. And my church, we kind of just categorize it as demonization. It's just, just kind of one spectrum there. So that that's all the way from just kind of thoughts being put in your head through to like full possession right it's all it's all demonization um it if you want to know more about these things from a christian perspective and I, i'm not i don't really want to promote it because again the whole point is i don't want you to get distracted and be all concerned about what the enemy's doing when you should be focused on what god's doing in your life um but there's some good ways to to be aware of, of the enemy's tactics and and just, just better awareness, better better situational awareness. Um, John Ramirez was really helpful for me. So he was uh, grew up like full on Satanist, uh, full on satanic. He was getting paid like six figures a year to do voodoo and do you know whatever else and like kill people or whatever through his demonization. Uh, but you know, basically had an personal experience with Jesus and saved him. And now he's full on, full on Christian. So he's got a really interesting testimony. The way he sees things and breaks things down as I found it very beneficial. Um, there's also, I just wrote down like a couple of the other thing, the screw tape letters. So it's a, it's a book by CS Lewis, who was an apologetic Christian. You guys probably know that, you know, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, his little, uh, what is it? Four books, five books in that series, whatever. Um, but he wrote uh, a book called the screw tape letters from the perspective of demons that were trying to oppress someone. So super interesting, but again, it's from a Christian perspective. So it's not going to take you down some weird dark rabbit hole. You start believing this stuff um, like the, like the wrong stuff, the lies, but it, brings it from a perspective where as a Christian, you can step back and like, okay, now that I know that, now I know how to fight against that. Um, so just to keep it more real, I've been talking a lot. I've been reading a lot from the Bible. Okay. Um, but this has been my experience. I've had everything from, you know, just a little bit of thoughts in my head all the way through to, uh, it's happened a few times now where I'll wake up in the middle of the night, but not be fully awake and feel that something enters my room, like a presence enters my room and to feel a crushing weight on my chest. Like I can't breathe. I can't move. I'm paralyzed. And it's everything I can do just to get the name Jesus out of my mouth. Right. So it happened a few times. Um, it stopped. It, it's like a, it's one of those things where like it tries to scare you, but like, whatever, I, it doesn't, it, it's, it's not even, you can't even get breath. 
I'm I'm saved and covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm taking away all authority from the enemy, and it's not even bothersome anymore. It's not going to work. I would recommend if you have something similar like that happening, uh, if I get woken up or have a bad dream or something like that, like, okay, fine, you want to wake me up in the middle of the night, then I'm going to get my Bible out. I'm going to read. So good job waking me up because now I'm just going to get closer to God by reading my Bible, by praying, um, all that kind of thing. I'm going to worship. I don't care. I'm just saying, if you're going to wake me up, you're going to pay for it. So that was actually not even that big a deal. I think more for me, my bigger issue was that I would hear my wife's voice in my head. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, where just all the things that irritated me or bugged me or that I thought a certain way. And I would hear her voice repeating those things. But I'd also hear her voice saying things that she'd never said before. Does that make sense? Um, and it, and it just kind of like put negative things and it kind of got out of control for a while. It got to the point where I would choose a lane. I would drive my driving to or from work and I, would, you, you know how you like you change lanes and then that lane slows down and you change back to the other lane and that, that lane slows down and the other one goes fast. I would do that and I would pick the wrong lane. I would hear my wife's voice tell me what an idiot I was. I can't even pick a right lane. Yada, 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 whatever. So by entertaining those thoughts, which my wife has never said, by the way, she's, she's never, she's never said anything about what lane I pick as I'm driving, but by entertaining those thoughts. And again, the, the only power they have is the power that I gave them in agreeing with them. Right. So, so I would hold on to that. And by the end of the day, there'd be, you know, nine other things that I would supposedly mess up or supposedly would do something that, that made her angry. And I just keep like angry, like more and more aggravated until finally by the end of the night, she's aggravated that I'm aggravated and then we have a big fight over something that didn't even happen. You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn a, to not focus on the counterfeit, to focus on the truth, which is Jesus. And the Bible says you have to take your thoughts captive. So when I had those thoughts, it couldn't be, hey, you know what? Don't don't have that thought. And like, you can't you can't not think about. You can't say to someone, don't think about elephants, because in saying that, now you, you got to think about elephants. So I couldn't tell myself to not have those thoughts, but it had to be to to focus on the truth which was that those were lies and I'm not going to agree with them and look at the truth in the good things I have in life, the amazing things my wife's done and how much she loves me and what a great husband I am. And so what you, either one of these lanes that I pick as I'm driving, they're going to be bad. So I'm not an idiot. Does that make sense? You get, you got to shut down the lies. You recognize them, shut them down and then focus on the truth. So I'm wrapping up here and just a few other things that I want to put out there just because they're tools of the enemy and they're there to distract you and pull you away from God, get your focus off God and then fill you with a bunch of lies. So I would stay away from horror movies. I do stay away from horror movies. 
because um, there's just all kinds of spiritually there's doors and windows that open up that those it's those scenes or those scary things that they kind of make well yeah that one thing did happen and now you wake up in the middle of the night and then you're thinking about that movie and you kind of have that fear started and the guy does not he doesn't give you a spirit of fear so it's not godly by fearing by feeling that fear you're agreeing with the enemy so i just avoid them all together um i avoid yoga i know that's kind of one something that but it's a great example that of something that seems benign seems good for you you're stretching you're feeling good it releases your body's energy whatever whatever but it's straight up demon worship like the pose like sun salutation it's like you're literally worshiping the sun god Ra. even the, the, the whatever little terms you say and like ringing the bell and whatever else you're doing it's all demon worship it's not of god at all so even if you're i've even like gone to churches where they have like hey this is christian yoga like okay but it was never that was never a christian thing to begin with like you can't really sanctify something that god never sanctified you can't bless something that god hasn't blessed all right so i just avoid it um all the all this new age crap like there's there's reiki um i don't even know there's there's right next to my house there's like the, the edgar casey i don't know museum or something i don't know but all the all the man they're not prophets what do you call them People that just make stuff up about the future, it's all fake. Avoid tarot cards, poem readers. Um, I, I put magicians on here because it's like the same thing. You're just, they're just trying to, um, they're not, I mean, they're not actively trying to, but the idea of magicians is to belittle God, that, that, God's not so great. You're just have a, such a small mind that it's just this little trick, uh, trick of the eye or a little something up someone's sleeve. That's all God's doing. He's not actually all that powerful, right? It, it like belittles God. And that was a hard one for me because I used to love magicians as a kid. I had to repent of that. Um, but Ouija boards, like, I don't know. I, I don't, there's no redeeming quality for Ouija boards at all. Like it's straight up demonic. Um, with all those Ouija boards, palm readers, tarot cards, um, Bible straight up says, don't consult spirits. Don't do any of this stuff. Um, psychics. I think it's the word I was looking for. Not prophets, but psychics avoiding them. Um, I, so there's one that I've heard a few different times where people are blown away because they talk, they, they talk to a psychic, but I also heard it in terms of, um, someone I know who does more like medical type stuff and, you know, like a spirit enters the room and they're like, oh, hey, this is like your aunt Sally, like, oh my gosh. And then something will happen where it's like, wow, no one knew my favorite color except aunt Sally. Like this has to be, they have some kind of experience because some kind of spirit or some medium or psychic said something that only this one person would know. Well, Spiritually, and John Ramirez goes into this, those are called familiar spirits, right? So they're demons is what they are. And whether they knew something or know somebody or whatever it is, they're just regurgitating some crap that they knew from before that's going to make you think that, that this is your actual Aunt Sally speaking, and it's not. But then because you're having that profound moment, they'll slip in something about your life where it's like you're, you're going to die when you're 40. You know, or now it's like 
you have that that door is open. Now you have this thought in your mind of like, I'm going to die when I'm 40. Remember that time? And that was so crazy. That had to be my Aunt Sally because she knew about my favorite color. And then, so you see what happening. There's a counterfeit. It's it's not a real, it's a real experience, but if that's not your real Aunt Sally. And it's not a loved one. They don't, that, that doesn't love you, but it, tries to make you think that it does or something that you, that, that you love and give you information about the future, which is not a godly thing. You work that through profits, right? But it's, it's meant to draw you away. So now you have that, that thought of like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to die when I'm 40. Jeez. Well, now you have fear. Now you're going to, you're going to change the way you leave your life and you're going to turn like, you need, so that makes sense. You turn away from God, not necessarily all at once, but it's little seeds, little, little, um, little course corrections that drive you away. All right. So I got pretty much got everything there. Magicians, palm readers, tarot cards, psychics. It's all demonic. It's all garbage. It's not the truth. Jesus is the truth. All right. So last thing I got here is, so what are we going to do with all this counterfeit? So this is something also that, um, especially with, this war right now in Ukraine. Um, and I read a book called Messing with the Enemy. And it's all about propaganda and how it can be used in warfare or, or even as an alternative to warfare. But there was a, a Russian tactic where they would say five things about this, whoever the U.S. president is. They'd say five things about them and four would be lies but then the fifth one would be, be kind of true. Maybe some dirt that they have on someone. So the person that they're, that if they're trying to blackmail the president, they would say like four lies and a truth. So the four lies makes it easy for them, for the, the person to, to deny it publicly. No, it's totally fake. None of this happened. But then that fifth one that's true, it's like, oh crap, they kind of got me. Now the blackmail starts, right? So... With that and with this, it's like the same thing. With all this counterfeit and BS going on, and if, I don't know if you've been on Reddit looking into this, the war going on, but you can't trust anything anyone's saying. You know, like if Ukrainians take over a town, they say, oh, the Russians were murdering people, and then the Russians take over Ukrainian-held town, and like, oh, look, the Ukrainians are murdering people. Like, who's to know anything? They're all going to try to make everyone else look as bad as they can. So with all this going on, how are you supposed to know who and what to follow. All right, so that's where we get back to the secret service, the counterfeit, just focus on the truth. They'll know people based on their fruit. So you can even look, kind of look at their, their past a little bit, like what historically have they done? What have been the fruits of their labors? Is it good or is it super negative? And they'll kind of give you some discernment where to go moving forward. Um, but getting in the word, praying for yourself, pray for God to give you discernment is a gift he can give you and praying for faith. All right. So I hope that made sense where to just to line up the enemy that we're talking about here. There's so many things. It's hard to, it's hard to bring it all up in a linear fashion. Um, and there's so many different caveats that I probably dragged down a little bit, but it's a good starting position. So we'll, we'll go from here. Moving on from enemy, we'll move into terrain and get an idea for that. But you'll be able to keep all these things in mind moving forward. So appreciate you guys.
God bless you. See you in the next episode.